American Hammers Radio with Tex and Liam from the Fresno Irons. Hello and welcome into another edition of American Hammers Radio. Hold on, we have to do this. Ain't nobody like Lanzini. He makes, makes me happy. Plays, plays the West, West Ham way. way. Ain't nobody like Lanzini. He makes me happy. Plays, plays the West Ham way. Hey! It's about this is the only way you can start a show like this. <laughs> it has to be. Season two, episode six, Manuel Lanzini. I don't care if Tottenham is upset with us for celebrating a draw. We're not celebrating a draw. We're celebrating stealing a point from you when you clearly had that game in the bag. So absolutely love it. If you didn't know and you were living under a rock, West Ham United played Tottenham, the North London rivals, and they went in and of course they fell down like typical West Ham fashion. Within 45 seconds, San gets a goal and we're all shaking our head. Here we go again. Balbuena opened up the goal, gave him a look. Son is too good. He's going to put that away. Then wouldn't you know it, 10 minutes later, Harry Kane. He nutmegs Declan Rice and then throws one at the net. And of course, of course, Liam, it goes in. We're down 2-0. Then in the 17th minute, just seven minutes later, they get a cross in from who else but Son right onto the head of of, uh, Kane. He sends it back where it came from, and they're up 3-0, and it's all over. You saw it. We're all sitting there going, well, fucking get the heroin. Let's just get this shit over with. I'll heat the spoon. Um, absolutely. Absolutely horrendous from opening performance for West Ham in the first 20 minutes. Then we calmed it down. Then, believe it or not, Liam, by the end of the first half, I b- believe we had the better of the ball. Um, we were doing a good job, just weren't finishing anything. Second half comes around again, makes no changes. Uh, again, another frustration with Moyes. The game progresses, progresses, and we just, it looks like it's just not our day. That's what it looks like. And then they make the change that I have been begging for. (laughs) They bring in, in the 75th minute, the jewel, Manuel Lanzini. And who does he come on for? Pablo Fernals, the guy that I've never wanted on the pitch, and puts on the guy that I've been begging to be in there. And he comes in, he starts making hustle plays. And then in the 80th minute, we get a double change. We get Snodgrass and we get Yarmolenko. And wouldn't you know it, Liam, two minutes later, we get a set piece. Cresswell puts in a beaut of a ball and and Balbuena, who I think didn't intend to, (laughs) the ball just happened to find his head, but it finds its way into the net. So it's three, one. Okay. We got to go back. We like it. Then three minutes later, in the 85th minute, wouldn't you know it, Sufal makes a beautiful move, gets in after some very tricky play from Yarmolenko yeah, to get yeah. him in. Um, and then Sufal tries to send it across, and Sanchez, defender for Tottenham, <laughs> heads it into his own goal. It was beautiful. <laughs> it was 3-2. And all West Ham fans are going, game on. Here we go. And West Ham throwing the ball at the net late in the game. Oh, but wouldn't you know it, their, their, their jewel, Gareth Bale, has an opportunity to put the game away, sends it fucking wide. It was beautiful. Even though, let's be honest, he should have scored and all, everything, everybody thought he oh, was yeah. going to. So so then we get the ball back, and, and Liam, I want you to know right now, the excitement level of me telling you this <laughs> is so palpable <laughs> over here. Wouldn't you know it? We get another set piece from almost the same area. Cresswell sends it in. Harry Kane makes one hell of a header. Then it gets poked away by another Tottenham player. I can't even pronounce his name. It's not worth me knowing his name. <laughs> and it falls to the jewel. And he hits a slicer with so much power. And it looked like Obeying's goal against Tottenham a couple of seasons ago. Yep. And I, I will never forget it. He slices it into the upper corner. It even hits Larissa's hand and goes in. And in the 94th minute, takes his shirt off. Take a bow, sir. Take a bow. Manuel Lanzini saves a point for West Ham United. And in a in a 12-minute stretch, Liam, mm-hmm. West Ham went from down 3-0 to tied at 3. We will take the point all day at their house against Tottenham. 
What a match. I, I have to know. I called you. I was <laughs> I was on cloud fucking nine screaming. What what was your reaction to that Lanzini goal? Well, I mean, there's only one reaction to have at that point, right? I mean, this is this is I mean, you said it perfectly before. It's like this is what Lanzini does. This is what he is born and bred for, and we just haven't seen it. Because there hasn't been the consistency. Everybody kept saying he hasn't been the same since his injury. Even you and I were saying last episode that it's probably time to sign to 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 sell him. He's he's not contributing to the club. He doesn't seem to feature into Moise's plans going forward. And he basically told us all to shut the fuck up and sit the fuck down. As he absolutely us fires a screamer into that top corner. And I will tell you, man, I I, I can't remember the last time I was so confident before that free kick that we were going to tie. It seems so odd, but it was like it was like the clouds had parted, the sun had come out, the light was beaming down into my room, and I just knew. I just knew. I go, we're we're fucking stealing a point. We're taking one back to East London. I know the fuck we are. And it was just like all of I would say like everything was falling into place for us. I mean, yeah, the beginning was dismal, right? Like we can't fucking sugarcoat those first 16 minutes. That that was absolutely on Balbuena for that first goal. Everybody knows Son wants to get to his right foot and curl it in. All he needed to do was keep him from going to the middle, pressure him out to the line, you know, hope that he tries to send a lazy cross and we head the ball out. Once that first one went in, I was like, all right, you know, bad luck, whatever, we'll keep our heads up. By the time the third goal went in, I'd say there was a good five minutes that I was like, fuck Tottenham, fuck this game. And I'm on Twitter and I'm looking at everybody and they're like, oh yeah, fuck this. I'm turning this off. And I was like, no, I'm not turning it off because it's Tottenham and we're going to fucking show up. We, the, the, the Wolves game and the Leicester game and even the Arsenal game were not flukes. That, that was the West Ham of this season. I truly believe that. And really, we put the pressure on. I think that was one of the things that was very uh, impressive for me. Most teams and most seasons with with West Ham, anytime we've gone even one down that early in a game, people start hanging their heads and you just don't see that fight. You don't see that desire to come back. And I mean, this was across the board. I think everybody dug down deep and you got to give your hat off to Balbuena, man, because if it's any other, and even to Moyes, any other manager probably at halftime is pulling Balbuena off, right? You've got D up on the bench. He's He's healthy. He's ready to play, throw him on, make that change, but he doesn't. And Balbuena rewards us perfectly by making sure that he gets his head on that ball and really I want to say it was Sanchez that was on one side of him and just mistimed his jump allowing Balbuena to 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 basically spawn the comeback I don't think we get anything out of this game without Balbuena sinking that first shot into the net and what's actually really really funny with the Sanchez own goal is he almost did the same thing earlier in the match I want to say it was around like the 60 65th minute he went to toe poke across from Sufal and Loris actually calls for the ball and Sanchez stops dead and lets the ball come, come across for Loris that second time he doesn't he puts his head on the ball and it's almost good that he does because if you actually watch the replay I think Bowen's there like Bowen's diving in towards the middle part behind Larice, and the ball wasn't close enough for Larice to really get a hand on it. So I think even without Sanchez putting his head on the ball, I think Bowen still gets the uh I think he still gets the ball in the back of the net. And I think we still go three two at that point. But I we've gotta say, man, with Lanzini, what do you do with him now? I mean, is this the spark that he needed to reignite his career? Or is this like the Newcastle game, just a fluke, just a one-time deal, and we keep moving forward. Okay, so first off, Balbuena did not spark that comeback. Okay, I got, I got to <laughs> correct. I got, you got to be corrected. Manuel Lanzini came on in the seventy-fifth minute, and the knock on him has always been he disappears in games. And we talked about it last week. Why is Fornals starting over Lanzini? Because Fornals puts in a shift. He runs his socks off. He does everything the manager asks him. Clearly, Lanzini has heard the message and he's seen this. He's seen that Fornals yeah. is not nowhere. Fornals, we have to be very clear here. Fornals has a lot of potential, and I'm not saying that he doesn't. But anybody that wants to challenge me on, on who is the better player, it's not even close. 
Lanzini is clearly the more technically gifted player. He can pull more strings. He can set more things up. He's got a better shooting stroke. He can find the back of the net, whereas for nows, that seems like a very difficult thing for him at times. Even though he was offsides, he still missed a sitter with his head. Yeah. And yep. so four my, yards out, four yards out, and he, he skies the ball. I mean, come on. Yeah. And so my thing is. Lanzini sparked that because he made three or four hustle plays before we even got that set piece, just getting the ball back. In fact, he's the one who won the ball back and passed it out there when we got the foul on Cresswell before the set piece. He's the one that won the ball back. So when I look at this, and I understand that the question has to be asked, what do we do with Lanzini? Before anything else, I want to make something very clear. David Moyes, I'm still frustrated with because his substitutions are so poor and they come at way too late in the game. Lanzini should have been on by the 60th minute. And maybe we win the game with the way the form he was on that day. Snodgrass and Yarmolenko should have been in by the 70th minute. So they have an opportunity to impact the game. My thing is, we we talked about it, and, and I have to give you 100% credit here. Jared Bowen clearly is the better fit for West Ham. And I think he's as good of a player as Yarmolenko, but Yarmolenko is a guy that can come in after Bowen's run somebody ragged and he's going to get space and he's going to be good because he's proven it multiple times. I still don't like the way we're substituting. I I hope that Moyes kind of saw that, holy shit, I need to give these guys more time in the game. Maybe we win it. Because the moment Snodgrass and Yarmolenko came on in that double change, the moment they came on, the whole game is different at that point. Like yeah. two minutes later, we got a goal, you know, and they come on and Snodgrass is deadly with any set piece. Yarmolenko, who cares about his pace? He set the own goal up by that tricky play he had. He was drawing the attention to two. He backhilled it to Sufal. Sufal yeah. sends it in. I mean, it's. These guys have to play. Do they have to start? No. I think I think I agree with Moyes. You put in the guys that are going to run people ragged early, and I think he's right. So for the first 60 minutes, Pablo Fornals needs to be on the pitch. I, and yeah. I'm, I'm agreeing with that now. But the truth is this. If Lanzini's going to play like that, why is Fornals even on the pitch? We have to ask that question because that Lanzini we saw that's the player that we saw pretty much the whole last season at the bowl in. Yeah. He was a perfect partner for Dimitri Payet. And I'll say it now. I love Lanzini. There's been no qualms about it, but I will admit he is not a Batman. He is a Robin and he's got to have somebody to play off. And I think there's enough people on the pitch. Mikhail Antonio hint, hint, wink, wink that can put on the Cape and cowl and play the Batman role and let Lanzini be Robin. For sure. And I think that one of the things that was really interesting, though, uh, when they when they were making the substitutions, right? So uh, I'd say after about the 25th minute, you actually saw a tactical change where Antonio was pulled out to the left-hand side and Fornals actually sat in the center. And I remember you and I talking about Fornals really felt like he disappeared in this game. And, you know, even though there were a couple good looks, you know, like the the sitter that he missed, it, it didn't feel like he was making a whole lot of impact. But when you really think about it, when they pulled Antonio out wide left, it forced Tottenham to create more space in the center of the field. And I think that's where we started getting a little bit more momentum in the attack. And Tottenham really never changed their game. Even when Gareth Bell came on, there was not a tactical change in the way that they approached it, right? It was still, you know, a uh, deep back line. So we couldn't get in behind them, spread out the midfield in more of a diamond shape, you know, try to play the long balls over the top to the wingers. And that was really it. That was like the, that was, that was their tactical, you know, <laughs> fucking uh, uh, Mourinho's tactical genius uh, on display in this game. And I don't think they ever really thought that we were a threat and we, absolutely proved them wrong. And I think, you know, to piggyback on what you're saying with Yarmolenko, with Lanzini, with Snodgrass, yeah, none of those guys are worldies, right? Lanzini would probably be the closest one that like, here's here's a, a big game changer when he's on his day. But none of those ones, have we, have we really seen that consistency that we needed to see? Moments of brilliance, right? Like Yarmolenko against Man United last season, right? You could even argue that Cresswell, right, has had moments of brilliance. You think about that Stanford Bridge goal last year. We win against Chelsea at Stanford Bridge in the first time in what, 20 some odd years? And we do it because Cresswell puts in a curler, right? So there's 
multiple players on this pitch that can be a game changer on a good day, on their day. But there's not the consistency that we see with somebody like a Declan Rice, with an Angel and Ogbana. I'd even see that say that Fabianski was a little bit off his game, especially in the first part of this. I thought I thought he was late in responding to all three of those goals, and I, I felt like that was a little out of character for him. I'm not ready to say Fabianski needs to be replaced. I still think he's a solid number one. Yeah, there's probably a conversation that needs to occur that you need to start thinking about a a more viable backup to him than Darren Randolph. But as it stands, I still think Fabianski's the the number one. But I think that is the the, the difficulty is you've got Fornals with a higher work rate probably than Lanzini, but Lanzini's going to give you more bang for the buck with the touches that he has on the ball. And I think we really saw that on display, especially when he is able to kind of operate in that free roaming center attacking mid as he sort of pulled in behind and um, Bowen was kind of pushed out to the front. So when when Antonio comes off, Masuaku kind of pushes up a little bit more on that left-hand side. Yarma takes obviously over on the right-hand side and it kind of changed that shape to more of a diamond. And I think that's where Tottenham really lost it. And you're 100% right, man. Even though Balbuena's goal sparks it, the, the comeback, it was definitely Lanzini that gave the team the boost, the tactical change at that point that we needed to be able to, to, to spark that comeback, to finish that comeback. Did you hear? I mean, obviously Lanzini doesn't speak the greatest English, and I understand that. But no. after the game, his presser, I, I looked at a man that goes, he wants to prove something. Oh, and 100%, he is, dude. He is sick and tired of, I mean, he was, he was when Dimitri Pyatt left, I remember seeing the memes that's like, don't worry, we have Lanzini. We have yeah. the jewel. And obviously he's shown flashes and there's times when he has somebody to play off like um, an Arnautovic or he has somebody like a Antonio, somebody that he can play off of that can draw attention away and give him a little space. He's deadly. And let's not forget, this man was going to start for the Argentinian national team alongside Messi. Yeah. When he got hurt in training, all of Argentina was crying because they knew what this guy was about to do for the national team. I mean, uh, Messi, you get an endorsement from Messi and understand that they're countrymen. So, of course, there's an endorsement. But remember, this guy, they were going to play and be playing next to Messi in the World Cup. And so when I look at this, yes, that injury that he suffered in training, that really set him back. But he's got something to prove, and there's nothing more dangerous than a player with a chip on their shoulder. And I want to see him get more. And I, I'm telling you right now, do what I do. I start him because the the question now I think that we have to look at is what do you do with Manuel Lanzini? Well, right now I think he has to be a super sub. I think he has to get in by the 60th minute every game right now. And if yeah, he continues agreed. to influence the game, then he has to start over four nows. Because if he's constantly the reason that we're coming back in games, then maybe he needs to start so we no longer have to come back in games and we have games put away because of him. And then you bring on a guy like Fornals in the 75th minute who can run somebody down after they're tired, you know? And so the way I look at it, man, like if we're asking the question, like what do we do with Manuel Lanzini? I originally said last week and I, and I, Pretty sure I made it clear. I sell him because he's not in Moise's plans. That's not what right. I would have done personally, but you sell him. Right now, I think if you're David Moyes, you need to look in the mirror on yourself and you need to re-ask the question about him. Because whatever you thought about him, what you just saw on that pitch at New White at New Scheitheart Lane. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> whatever you saw there, you saw what this kid can do. And look how the team responded to that goal. The whole team running off the pitch. He excited the whole thing. That's why we love him. I did an interview not too long ago with Ro- with Russ Budden, and one thing he yeah. said is that West Ham fans love a guy that can get people out of their seat. Manuel yeah. Lanzini is that guy. They're out outside of him. Uh, you know, we'll get into it later. We just signed a player that may have the same effect. We we just signed him, but right now the one proven commodity to get people out of their seat in a West Ham kit is Manuel Lanzini. So for me, I think he has to be on the pitch by the 60th minute against Manchester City. Do I start him? No, because I think Pablo Fornals, you've kind of convinced me why he's in there because he's doing what Moyes wants him to do. And I hate saying it, but we'll get into this later too. 
it's starting to work. We haven't lost in three games. It's starting to work. But I'm curious. I am a Lanzini lover. I'm biased. I might even have his tattoo on my left ass cheek. I'm not going to say if I do or I don't, (laughs) but I might. I just want to know, what do you do with Manuel Lanzini, Liam? So... I think that is the million-dollar question, right? And I think this is something that West Ham fans have debated ever since his injury, right? Like, what what do you do with this guy? How do you deploy him in a way that works effectively for what we ultimately need as a team? And I think right now, Fornells does factor in a little bit better with Moyes' uh, work rate first, right? You look at all the guys on the pitch right now, and these guys are all hustlers. They're all people that are going to you know, live and die every breath that they're out there. And I think with Lanzini, you and I, you know, we've talked about it before. You've made the analogy that he's playing chess while other people are playing checkers. I think you could argue that maybe Masawaku is probably somebody that could elevate his game with a Lanzini on the field to be playing chess. I think Benarama is probably also that guy that can play chess. Uh, but it is a it is difficult because then do you have three players that operate in in one regard that is completely separate from how the rest of the team functions? And I think right now this team functions as a unit. I don't think we're reliant on any one particular player to save the day, which we have been in the past, right? You look at Arnautovic, and we relied on his goal. Uh, capability to be able to to keep us in games. Even prior to that, Dimitri Payet, right? Everybody knows we've had these players that were kind of a hallmark player, right? This is the guy that is going to be able to to get us through the game when the chips are down. Like, yeah, we've got the guys that'll dig deep and work hard, like, you know, a Mark Noble or, you know, even a Robert Snodgrass. You know, we, we've had these guys, you know, categorically throughout the years, you know, your, your Billy Bonds, your Bobby Moores, your, you know, Sir Trevor Brooking. Like, you've got these guys that have, that have embodied the badge and I think that we kind of have a full team that does that now. Like, I'm not ready to say this is the boys from 86, right? Like, I'm not even ready to say this is like the Harry Redknapp team of 99. I'm looking at these guys. That just, this, this is a team that is gelling. And I am I'm hesitant to make too much of a change because of one wonder goal. And I do think that Lanzini right now is probably better served, like you said, coming in about that 60, 65th minute and changing the shape of the team to keep Man City on their toes. I agree. I I don't, I I have a really hard time chalking it up to a wonder goal because I think it's been there the whole time and it is a wonder goal, but it's, it's coming from a player that that's in him, that lives in him. That's who he is. He is somebody that is the exciting player. Um, but I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. We're kind of in agreement here and we're not <laughs> supposed to be, you know, you're supposed to be the idiot. I'm supposed to beat the smart one, but this is uh, true. This is true. <laughs> totally kidding. That, that was really, it was literally, that was the, uh, employment application said we're looking for an idiot to balance out Kyle's genius. And so, you know, for me, when I filled that out, I was like, well, Hey man, I'm, I'm a professional idiot. So <laughs> I'm more than ready to come in here and do a job and do it week in and week out. So well, you without- know, I, I know, I know my place, man. I'm the Fornells. You're the Lanzini. We get it. We get it. <laughs> I'm just going to say this. I that totally don't think I'm a genius and I'm clearly the one that's outclassed here. So I want to yeah, make that right, very yeah. clear. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I obviously you and I have it figured out. We, we very much are on the same page. And I, you know, we would do if you and I manage West Ham, let's be 100% honest, we would win league every year. But fuck yeah, we're not managing West Ham. So I have to ask you this question. Has David Moyes figured it out? Because here's what I want to point out. We've played five games. The worst team we played, we had our worst performance against in Newcastle in game one of the season, which you could chalk up to just not being ready. Maybe, you know, no preseason really. Maybe that kind of hurt. Then we follow it up with a pretty good, strong performance and should have gotten a point out of it against Arsenal. Um, a late mistake cost us the game and we walked away with nothing. And it's a frustration. And we all kind of went, well, same old West Ham, even when they play well, they can't win. Then we shock everybody and we come out and we beat (laughs) the living socks off of wolves who mind you, we have not even drawn with since they've come up. We've lost every game against them since they've come up. 
And we didn't just win that game. It was almost like taking out deep aggression against our older brother once we found out that we were bigger and stronger than him. And we beat them down. It was 4-0. Then we come out and we play another phenomenal performance against Leicester City. And even when Leicester scored a goal, they had to cheat to get it. So therefore, it got disallowed and we win that one 3-0. Then we come out and we have arguably the worst first 80 minutes in football we could have asked for. Nothing goes our way. Every mistake, they capitalize and get a goal. It's horrible. But then in the last 15 minutes of the game, we're the best team on the pitch. And in 15 minutes, we score not one, not two, three goals. So when I look at this, I have to ask you, David Moyes, has got us seven points in our last three games when a lot of West Ham fans, including myself, thought we'd be lucky to get one. So I have to know, do we believe that the quote-unquote David Moyes all-I-do-is-win system is starting to finally work for West Ham United? I think so, right? Because you know, you even look at somebody like Tim Howard, who, right, he operated underneath Moyes when he had his long stint at Everton, so he kind of knows how he operates as a as a manager. You know, when you think back to the first stint that we had with Moyes, right, didn't really get an opportunity to showcase what he could do. All it was, all all the board wanted him to do was to keep us out of relegation, which he did, right? And then he comes back and he does it again, keeps us out of relegation. Yeah, we had some. Some performances none of us were really super happy with. It wasn't always the most attractive football, and I think for a lot of West Ham fans, that's what we want to see, right? Beautiful, attacking football. I think we're getting that now. I mean, you you really look at, even recently, right, there was a statement that Antonio had put out talking about how he was learning Spanish so he could communicate better with Fornals. He was like, look, Fornals knows enough English that we can go out and get food and, you know, we can have a conversation and we mostly understand each other. But he's like, it's not fair to expect these guys to just come to England and automatically know the language. He was like, I should do my part, learn Spanish so I could talk to these guys. And I'll be honest, what he should probably learn is fucking French <laughs> because we have, <laughs> we have a multitude of French players. And especially if Antonio and Allaire ever hit the pitch at the same time, it'd probably be real fucking critical for the two them to be able to communicate especially if they're playing against defenders that don't speak french that would be that would just be monumental at that point so i I think that this is this is just it shows that with Moyes, maybe he doesn't always play the most attractive football maybe he waits too long to make substitutions maybe the substitutions he makes doesn't they don't always impact the game that in the way that we would like but you cannot deny that this man has the locker room he has these guys bought in on whatever his fucking plan is. Even if we don't see it, you know, behind computer screens and television screens and while we're, you know, internet cowboying on on Twitter, these guys buy into his message. They buy into what he's doing. Yeah, we were we were making jokes, right? Like, oh, stay home, boys, stay home. You know, you you we red carded him, right? Red card, stay the fuck home. You know, because we thought he was operating better not being on the on the touchline, not being in that technical box. But it shows that it, it doesn't matter, man. Like these guys will fight for not just Moyes, but each other. And that's a mindset we haven't seen in a while at this club. So as much as I, I don't think Moyes is the ultimate answer for West Ham United, but I cannot deny that there's a part of me that's excited that Moyes may have finally fucking figured it out. And if we can have a run, like a multi-year run, under David Moyes that we stay top half of the table and relegations uh, a a bad memory of the past. I'm okay with that. What about you? Uh, All right. So here's what I'm going to say. I think you are 100% correct. When you talk about, he's got the locker room. He clearly does. Um, the, The players are fighting for him. This is where my issue comes in with David Moyes. Having the locker room is one thing. Being a tactical genius is a total another, a totally another thing. And with Moyes, I still don't like his substitution policy. I think it's an atrocity. In fact, every time I think of a David Moyes substitution, it kind of reminds me like like I might have to watch a Fast and Furious movie and I just want to puke <laughs> on my tits. Like that's just, you know, the plot is pointless in the movie. Um, it's just about having action stars and things blowing up. And that's kind of the way... I wonder about Moyes sometimes is does he actually understand the plan of how to use substitutions to his benefit? Because there are games where I understand that you sub later because you've got a lead. 
but too often we don't have a lead and he's still bringing in subs way too late. If you're, if you, the, the, the argument I'm going to have is that I'm not sold that he's got a plan B. Maybe Lanzini is the key to that plan B now. Maybe it is, maybe it's not, but I don't understand how he is so late on substitutions when it's clearly not working. If you're down 3-0 in the 60th minute, whatever the fuck you were doing ain't working. It's not. Yeah. So doesn't matter how the game played out. The scoreline's telling you you have to change something. 1-0, I can understand sticking with it. 2-0 or 3-0, you've got to make changes because now the game is condensed. you got to get goals. you got to open yourself up. Like it's it's the one thing I credit Slavin Bilic for doing. I don't know how many games we were down two one and Slavin would chunk on another striker, take off a defender, and go for it. And we we lost those games sometimes three one or even four one because. But at least Slav went for the win, right? And I and or went for at least a point to get something out of the game. My problem with Moyes is I just don't understand if he's got a plan B. So like if I'm grading him. And for those of you that don't know, I am a high school teacher. But if I'm grading him, I give him a 75. It's a solid C right now, what I think he's doing. Um, You can get away with getting C's. C's can get you a diploma. There's nothing wrong with that. But you got to have A's to get scholarships. You got to have A's to get people to notice you. And I want him to start. I really really am going to say this, Liam. I think... He is he is substituting away. His, if he could figure that out, I would probably buy all the way in on him. But his substitutions are the one thing that just literally make me want to puke on my tits every time he does it. But do you think, to some degree, the difficulty is the the substitutions that he has? They're either too similar, or it's not. How do I how do I put this? It's not the players that he wants on the bench. Does that make sense? Where it's like, you know, with, with Benarama, like we keep hearing that this was a Sullivan move, right? This wasn't somebody that, that Moyes wanted. Moyes was turned on to him by Sullivan, you know, basically browbeating him and telling him, Hey, I'm not going to shell out the money for Josh King or for, um, as so I, th- I think there is this, uh, Moyes has kind of had to deal with like deal the card with the cards that he has, right? Like he can't fold. He has to just kind of work with what he's got. And I, I think what, uh, what is sort of a, a benefit is I think he's finding out that he has somewhat of an embarrassment of riches. I mean, touch wood, we really haven't seen massive injuries. Like we haven't seen season ending injuries and I fucking probably just jinxed us with that. But you know, when you, when you look at Fredericks went out right with a hamstring, but came back relatively quickly. Diop goes off with COVID. He's back after two weeks. Like to have these, players on the bench that you know can come in and are actually a like for like for some of the players that we have you take to fall off you could put Fredericks on and he's still going to offer a lot going forward he's still going to play that wing pack position that we don't have to completely change the formation Diop same thing you put Diop in for Balbuena he probably a little less mistake prone than Balbuena but Sometimes I like Balbuena's aggressiveness over Diop's. I think sometimes Diop can be oddly timid uh, in a moment where we don't need him to be timid. We need him to be a little more aggressive. Uh, I think the only other ones that are kind of a, an odd pull is, you know, maybe Snodgrass. Like you take off Declan Rice or uh, Suchek and Snodgrass doesn't really play like either one of those. That's not really a like-for-like trade. I mean, to some degree, even Mark Noble isn't a like-for-like trade for either one of those two guys. He's just a different uh, player, has a different dynamic. But you pull off Fornals, you put Lanzini on, or even Ben Rama, maybe even put Ben Rama in for Masawaku. Like, these are like-for-like trades. These are people that can come on that actually do offer something. I mean, with Ben Rama, we don't know yet because we haven't seen him in game, but that training video that West Ham put out earlier today looked pretty good. I mean, it looked like the team was gelling, looked like they were laughing, looked like they were having a good time, and I think that's what's important. I think it's important for us to to recognize what the team is doing right, and, you know, I'm with you, man. Moyes needs to get better with these substitutions, and I don't think it's the players. I think it's granting them enough time to make an impact on the game. You cannot sub Sebastian Allaire in at the 89th minute because that's just time-wasting at that point. That's not offering him the chance to showcase what he can do, and this is a 45-million-pound striker that is warming the bench. I get it. He had a knock before the Tottenham game. That's why he wasn't even on the bench. But what are you doing to 
boost these guys' confidence, like a Lanzini, when you give them the opportunity to to impact a game in a positive way. Yeah, I mean, you're right. And then we, we have to look forward here because we're asking the question and Moy's got it figured out. And so I guess let's frame the question this way now. We have Man City coming up this Saturday. Oh, God, it's an early one out here on the West Coast. It's 4.30 a.m. for us. Uh, 7.30 for you guys, so I don't want to hear no bitching on Twitter about it being an early one because out here in Fresno, California, we will be uh, bright and early with our uh, smile shining, getting ready to watch West Ham at 4.30 a.m. before the damn sun even comes up. So... When we look at this, what do you need to see against Man City? Like, what do you think Moyes is going to do? Or, you know, what do you think he's going to do? But what would you do against Man City here? Because, you know, we, let's mention it now. Benarama signing has been official. It got overshadowed of the Lanzini goal. But for $30 million, give or take a, a couple with add-ons, Benarama is now in a West Ham shirt. Um, obviously, we know Man City have some possible injuries the injury game is a little interesting. You're looking at Balbuena and Diop. Who do you go with there? Um, and what changes are really going to be made here? So I'm going to I'm going to let you start it off. Is what do you do against Man City? And then what do you think Moyes is going to do, Liam? So I think the the biggest thing against Man City is you have to weigh out the uh, the idea of do you change a winning team. Right, because he's pretty much run out the exact same team now for the last three games, right? And we got, as we talked about before, that seven points out of three games that if you had asked us prior to the season, everyone would have said there's no way we pull even a point. We'd been lucky to get a point out of out of those three games. And the fact that we pulled the seven out of it is is nuts. One of the things we also have to take into consideration is that we beat a Leicester team the week after they dismantled Manchester City. And that's that's impressive. Like, yeah, they had three penalty kicks, and obviously that's going to influence it, but they were a- still able to draw the fouls. And I think that's what's important because we have players like Fornals, like uh, Antonio, like Bowen, that love to run in behind and love to draw that foul. And even if we don't have Snodgrass on the pitch, Cresswell has found his form, man. He is just delivering set piece after set piece after corner that is just pinpoint. I have yet to really see him throw in a cross that I was like, yeah, that was that was pretty shitty. Every cross has had potential. So he has been a consistently dangerous threat. And I think that that is something that, you know, you know, Pep Guardiola is is very uh he he's gonna have to watch that. He's gonna have to come up with a game plan on how do you nullify that attack? How do you nullify us our ability to draw a foul and then be able to capitalize on a set piece? So yeah, there is the part of me that's thinking, okay, don't change a winning team. But there is the other part of me that goes, okay, but did did Balbuena show himself to be a liability? Do you need to bring Diop in to give us a different look in defense and give Diop the uh, the opportunity to showcase what he could do and how he is going to operate this season? And same thing, what we were just talking about with uh, Lanzini. Do you give him the nod over for Nels because maybe you want a little bit of flair, you want somebody that can help pin back the... Uh, uh, you know, the wing backs and and kind of help boss a little bit of that midfield against Man City and then bring Fornals in at like the 60, 65th minute to try to, you know, kill him with speed. Maybe that is something. And yeah, Fornals isn't exactly the fastest, but his work rate is what's going to really uh, help impact the game in those later minutes. But I mean, if it's me, if if I'm the one that's, that's uh, on the touchline, I'm probably going to trot out the same team. I'll be 100% honest. I think these guys have gelled. I think that they have, they've each earned their starting position and I'm not ready to to make a change. And that's what substitutions are for. If somebody gets in there and it just doesn't seem like their, their game is going their way that day, you fucking substitute them out. And I think that to piggyback on this, a big thing we have to talk about is who do you put on that bench? Because now remember, uh, Benarama wasn't eligible for this for the Tottenham game, and Alaire took a knock. So those were two people that could not feature on the bench. And the bench we had against Tottenham was Randolph, which you have to have, right? You have to have a backup goalkeeper. Fredericks, Diop, Noble, Snodgrass, Lanzini, and Yarmo. And obviously the, those latter three all featured and actually impacted the game. So when you think about that, what two do you drop to accommodate Alaire and Benarama? Okay, so this is this is I'm going to tell you what David Moyes is going to do, and I, this is a very easy answer. He's going to trot out the same team, and as sure. he should, and I have no problem with that. 
Um, if it was me though, there are some things I do differently. I run the exact same formation. I do not change that. I do, however, drop Balbuena for Diop. Reason being, Balbuena is made a huge key mistake early in the game. And I, this is my thing with Balbuena now is he can play really good, but that mistake happens far too often for me. Whereas in Diop, there is a mistake there as well, but I feel like it's less often. So I like the consistency and I like, I want that partnership built between Agbana and Diop. Um, I want that to keep getting better and better. However, I do believe we've been better defensively in this short amount of time with Balbuena. I do believe that. But I think Diop is the future. You go with him. He was the start at the beginning of the season. I don't think you lose your place to injury or COVID-19 in this case. So I think you uh, you have to go with that. That's the one change I make. Here is what I would do differently than David Moyes, though. I would actually be smart and brilliant and bring somebody in in the 60th minute. That's the key thing there. Who that person is, I'm not too worried about. But making that change there, and then if you want to do a change, a double change, doing it in the 70th or the 75th minute to allow those players to get on to at least, they've always said you need more than 10 minutes to impact a game. So at the absolute latest, you bring somebody in at the 75th. Ideally, it's the 70th giving a guy 30 and 20 minutes to impact the game gives that substitution a chance to make you the manager look good. So that's the, that's kind of my mentality there. That's what I kind of look at. Um, and I think you do bring up a very interesting question. We have to look at the bench for man city. Cause I think we're in agreement that we're going to see the same team. There's no reason to change it. Even though it was a three, three draw, you know, if you did make a change, it would be Lanzini for Fernals if he's going to do it. That's the change that it's the only one that makes sense. It's the only right. one. But even then, I wouldn't fault him if he didn't do it. And I trust me, if there's anybody that wants to shit on Moyes, it's me. <laughs> and so I just don't, there's no reason to do it. Like you said, you have to chalk it up to that's the first time we've seen the real Lanzini. He finally stood up. And so I kind of look at it and go, okay, well, Lanzini did that. So you need to bring him in five minutes earlier. So this time he needs to get in the 65th minute and let's see what he can do. Maybe if we're down again, he brings us back. We win the whole fucking thing. So that's kind of what I expect to see. But the bench is very interesting because you have Allaire come back and obviously the signing of Ben Harama and every fan's going to want to see Ben Harama play. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to be extremely pissed off if Ben Harama starts in this game. Very right, upset, very yep. upset. Um, and not that not nothing against Ben Harama. I want him to earn his place, but it's just I'm sick and tired of West Ham signing a guy. He trains with the team two days and then he's starting. I'm sick of that. Sufal, yeah. Sufal. Now Sufal <laughs> worked out. Yeah, it, it was a happy accident, right? Yeah, it worked out. But I can name a bunch of other times that it didn't work out. I.e., Simone Zaza. So, yeah, you know, um, there's just too many guys. Gokan Torre, there's another name that we want to relive there. But I, I look at this situation and I go, what do you do on the bench? So you know, let's make it real simple here. You're going to drop two players for Allaire or Benarama, or do you not? I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to tell you right now. So remind the listeners again, who are the substitutes again? We know we have to have Darren Ronoff, but who else are on that bench? Snotty, Yarmo. So yeah, so Snotty, Yarmo, Lanzini, Noble, Diop, and Fredericks. So I'm telling you right now, the only person I'm dropping, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm dropping Noble and I'm putting Ben Rama on the bench. See, so I was thinking about it, and I, I actually I went back and forth on this because initially I was like, yeah, I think with Noble, I don't think his legs are there, um, at least not as much as it was, but I do think that he brings a bite to the midfield that especially if you're trying to close out a close game, he can really help kind of give that boost towards the end. Um, I'm actually probably dropping Fredericks and Snodgrass. And I'll tell you why, right? Initially, I was thinking Snodgrass and Yarmo, but when I re-watched the game, I really paid attention to what Yarmo brought to the table when once he came on. I was like, fuck, man, like he really made an impact. And I think that's it's important to recognize that yeah, he's probably not your 90-minute player, but if he, damn it all, if he can give you a good 20 minutes, why not? Like, why not have that option on the bench? Especially because other than Allaire, we don't have another 
potential out-and-out striker in case something happens to Antonio. So, like, I want Yarmo as the other option. So, for me, I drop Snodgrass because he's a midfielder and you can easily bring in uh, Benarama. But then I drop Fredericks because for two reasons. One, Sufal... I mean, yeah, he's he's still he's still new in the group, but he blended in really, really nice. And I think he's better at getting back to defend than Fredericks, even though Fredericks is definitely faster. Like hands down, he's faster. But I think Sufal actually has a better defensive acumen than Fredericks does. And I think if it's me, and if something happens to Sufal and I have to pull him out, at that point, I would probably put Diop in. And then give myself a back four. Even though Diop isn't obviously set up to be a, a right defensive midfielder, he can still help strengthen up that back line. So if, for God forbid, something happens to Sioux Fall, I think you still have that defensive option with, with Diop. And then worse comes to works, if you have to drop Rice back into a center back position, you can do that as well. But I'm actually probably going to sub out my entire front line. I'm going to sub out Fornals, Antonio, and Bowen. And then I'm going to throw in Lanzini, uh, Benharama, and Allaire. And that's going to be my my like-for-like like replacements because that way you still have Lanzini, you still have Benarama uh, that can be your wings, that can that can really help drive the ball forward and hopefully lump the ball into Allaire. I mean, you saw the the the, the pass in the training video that uh, Benarama gave to Sufal and Sufal just rocketed across at a really tight angle and put it up in top bins. I think it's important that if you've got these guys and they can make an impact, I think you got to give them the opportunity. How dare you drop Snotty? How dare you? Snod- <laughs> you dropped Mark Noble. What the fuck? You yeah. can't even come at me for yeah. Snodgrass. Oh, I'm going to come at you. And l- listen, here's why you dropped Noble. And I knew this going into the season. And I said it in our in our first episode. I said it. This is most likely Noble's last year starting games. This oh, yeah. is probably it. And it looks like he may be done because the the Suchek Declan Rice partnership in that holding midfield is working like a charm. So yep. why do you drop Mark Noble? Because Mark Noble at this point is a cut player, and I hate saying it, and I love him. He's the only guy I bought this year with a name on the <laughs> deck. I, I love Noble. He is Mr. West Ham. I will never ever discredit what he's done but i'm gonna i'm gonna read the tea leaves here it's he's kind of uh, barring an injury there's no need to have him on the bench and even if there is an injury declan and suchek can both hold this they can sit in front of those back two by themselves and probably be okay all All right. right so when i look at it the only player you do drop is noble you cannot drop snodgrass and let me tell you why you can't drop snodgrass because in a tight game, when you know you're getting set pieces, he has to be out there. Because he, no offense to Cresswell, there is nobody better at set pieces than Robert Snodgrass. There's nobody. Robert Snodgrass puts a better ball in than anybody. He's done that ever since he was at Hull City. He did it at Norwich, and he did it there. Go back and look at the numbers. The numbers provide every year on set pieces, he is one of the most accurate free kick takers. And he could put it in if you give him if you get if they get the ball on the right side and it's thirty yards and in he can put it in the back of the net. I mean the guy is a you can't drop that type of specialist because of what he can bring to the match late. And I'm not saying look, I'm not saying it even needs to come on the game, but in a game like you're down three zero I don't know against Tottenham at New Scheidhart Lane. You bring a guy like that in because he creates a new threat. He's not going to wow anybody with pace. He's a phenomenal passer. You give him any type of corner, he's got a phenomenal left foot. Let's not forget, he was the best free, tick, free kick taker outside of Dimitri Pyatt, and he was at Hull City, which is a big part of the reason we bought him. So I look at this situation, and I just like, I love you, Leo, but there's no way you can drop Snotty. I just don't see how you do it. You you almost have to, man. And uh, and even though you're right, like he is great when it comes to set pieces, but I would say that this season especially, Cresswell has shown pinpoint accuracy. And really, if Cresswell, God forbid, but if something happens and we don't have him on the pitch, 
You've got Manuel Lanzini. You just fucking ranted and raved about your diamond and your jewel. And oh my God, he's on my back of my kit. Oh, you're fucking wanking off all over your table right now, bro. I'm going to have to edit that shit out of the microphone as your spurge is hitting the mic. Dude. You've got Lanzini. You don't need fucking Robert Snodgrass. I love Snotty. I absolutely love Snotty. But if you're going to drop Noble, then you drop fucking Snotty as well because they're both cup players. They're great in a pinch. They're great if you've got 11 other players that are all fucking injured and you need to throw a keeper's kit on Snotty and stick him in the fucking grass. That's fine. But you you do not need him as like the ultimate impact player. I love the fact that he got that foul on that side to be able to set up that final goal. But fucking Masuaku could have done that too, man. Like he he could fucking draw a foul as the best of them. And like like trick for trick for fucking treat, Masuaku's gonna be the better ball handler on the pitch. Because with Snodgrass, it's like he's running around with lead glued to the fucking socks. I mean, there's just he is not a fast player. And if I'm trying to make an impact late in the game, Robert, I love you to death. You're the fucking Scottish prince in my heart. But for fuck's sake, no. You're not on my bench, brother. <laughs> The Scottish Messi belongs on the bench, <laughs> and that is that is the final word. No, I'm just kidding. I, you make a good point. You make a great a great point, Liam. I, it's just going to be a situation where I, when when Robert Snodgrass hits the free kick at Command City to give us the two one win, you know I'm oh, gonna yeah. I'm gonna remind you of it. That's all I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna remind you of it. It's okay. The fat the the facts will show what this guy can bring to the table. So I, I got to move on to this question because we're getting low on time here, but. I'm going to ask this question and we got to be kind of quick with it here, but I want to know, can we start to believe in this West Ham United? Because it was all negative at the beginning of the season. It was negative after the Arsenal game. And even after the impressive win, we were like, well, let's see if they can keep it going. And now after that comeback against Tottenham, who's a rival, a London rival at that, you look at this situation, you go, did we misjudge this team and can we start to believe? Because we said it, Liam, we both said it. This team, talent-wise, is a top eight side in the Premier League. Just the talent, just based on our roster, we're a top eight side. And I, and I said that and I believe you agreed with it. So mm-hmm. is it time to start believing in what this West Ham team actually can accomplish? Absolutely not, because we will jinx the shit out of the rest of the season, and then we like just us talking about it has absolutely ruined it. No, I I, I said it earlier, man. I think that this is the team. Uh, this is Moyes' boys, right? Like I think he finally has this locker room all operating, firing on all four cylinders. I, I fuck it, I, eight cylinders, man. This is a Hemi right now. These dudes, these dudes are trucking it on that pitch. I absolutely believe in my heart of hearts that we can walk away from any team any match this season with points, points in hand, whether one or three points, we can beat any team out there. There's not a single team that I'm afraid to play, even fucking Liverpool. You can bring Virgil van Dijk on with a robot Terminator leg, and I will still fucking play them. I don't think there's anything for me to say other than I 100% agree with you. Um, I believe that this team can get points in any game, and that right there is all that needs to be said. And Liam said it right here on American Hammers Radio, Season 2, Episode 6. Mark that shit down. Um, (laughs) So now it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show. It's time for our yellow and red cards. Liam, hit me with your yellow. So yellow card's going to go to the supporters that turned the match off. You all should know better. You know this is West Ham United. This isn't your first fucking game. And it was Spurs. Even if you have to sit there and cry into your Guinness because we're just losing goal after goal. Like, say say Harry Kane's doesn't bounce off the off the post and it goes in. Say Gareth Bale doesn't chop up that shot as Yarmolenko shoves his dumb ass to the floor and it's 5-0 at that point, doesn't matter. It's West Ham United. You don't you don't switch the shit off. You suffer through it. We've suffered enough years. You could suffer this match as well. What about for you, Tex? Uh, my yellow card goes to me for totally flipping out early in the game, texting you all the shitty things I said about <laughs> Moyes. Stay the fuck home. You're a cunt. Like, oh, I I I didn't let I didn't hold back. I I totally blamed our shitty start on Moyes' negative just aura on the field. He just walks in and it feels like a draw. Even though it ended up being a very exciting draw, it just feels like a draw. So my yellow card goes to me. I, I've got to do exactly what you just said. I've got to start to believe 
and realize that this isn't my first rodeo with West Ham United. All right, hit me with your red. So my red card goes to Twatnam and their stupid, shitty supporters. So Twatnam had some real dodgy fouls in this game. Uh, Sanchez kicks the legs right out from under Fornells at the top of the 18. Nothing's called. 55th minute on Bowen, absolutely on a breakaway. Nothing's fucking called as well. Multiple fouls on Antonio, specifically from Sanchez. No cards given. Kane even eyes up Cresswell late in the game during a header and purposely goes low to take out Cress's legs. They'll give the free kicks, sure. So we did get some free kicks out of it, but Twats never get carded. So absolutely, it goes to the Twatnam fans, goes to Twatnam hot shit, because all of you can fuck right off to North London. <laughs> I don't know if you saw it, but there was a video of two Spur fans that were call- yes. commentating the game. Oh, for fuck's sake, it's G it dude. Oh, I love it. Inject it right into my veins. Oh, I this this is I'm just gonna leave you with this. If you haven't seen it, this is no, 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 no. So, <laughs> that those no's were just music to my ears. I absolutely loved it. All right, my my red card get back on track here goes again to David Moyes. Just stay home. All right. I still don't like your negative energy. I'm gonna say it again. Part of the reason I'm doing this is because it's a little bit about juju. Every time I give him a red card, we have a good result. So, hey, David <laughs> Moyes, another red card to you. Stick your ass home. Don't come. Just let Stuart Pierce do it. Let Kevin Nolan do it. You stay your ass home. Do it from the video room. That's who my red card goes to. Hint, hint, wink, wink. That's just for the juju. All right, so it's now time to make our match predictions in this game against Manchester City. Obviously, this is a big one for our boys. I believe we got them at the London Stadium, correct? We yeah, this them. one's a home match. Yeah, yep. we, we get them at home, which is good. So uh, looking at this, um, they're in interesting form right now, Manchester City. Um, their last two games are a loss by Leicester City by a mile, and then they also pulled off a draw. So now we're kind of looking at this situation going, what's this going to be? So hit me with your match prediction, Liam. So I'm going to say 2-1 to the Hammers. Uh, I think that this one is going to be a cagey match. Uh, I do think that Man City is going to dominate possession as we allow other teams to do because we are not a possession-based team. Uh, But for me, I absolutely think that Antonio, having missed out on getting the back of the net in the last match, absolutely uh, knocks one in. And fuck it, man. I'll give him the brace. I think Antonio for two, and he'll be my man of the match. How about you? All right. I look at this game, and I go... It's interesting because the form that Manchester City in scares me because I don't want them to right the ship against us. That's what I'm most worried about. I look at our form and we've got fight and there's something magic going on right now. Their players are putting in performances. We're getting balls bouncing our way in key moments of the game. Um, Doesn't always go that way, but way I look at it, I think it's going to end up being a 2-2 draw. And the reason I say that is because I think we will have to come from behind again, and I think West Ham will capture the magic. Somebody's going to have that amazing goal. Um, I do agree with you. I think Antonio gets back on the score sheet, and don't be shocked if it happens early. I'm saying in the first 15 minutes for Mikhail Antonio. Um, The second goal, I believe, is going to come in the 89th minute on a free kick from who else? The Scottish Messi, Robert (laughs) Snodgrass, because he will be on the bench and he will get that goal. And I'm going to call you out next time on this show because Robert Snodgrass is going to save points for West Ham United. I want to say thank you to everybody for listening. Obviously, this is a very... uh, a fun thing that we get to do and we feel very blessed that we even get to do it. Thank you to Tim and Lee for the American hammers uh, network and the opportunity to provide you with our idiotic and stupid takes. Um, But we also want to sit there and say that something very um, uh, special to the uh, Fresno irons is the national suicide prevention hotline. Um, if you feel at lost at any point or you feel like you've got nobody to talk to, there's always somebody there. And if you're here in the United States, that number is 1-800-273-8255. Again, that number is 1-800-273-8255. And remember, if you're listening to the show, we are here for you. And if you are listening to the show, we are there for you as well. So feel free to reach out. There is always somebody to talk to you before you make a decision that is not need to be made. So uh, for Liam, this is Tex. want to say thank you to everybody for listening. Robert Snodgrass will score a goal. 
even though Liam disagrees. Um, I want to say he won't even make the bench. <laughs> he's if you're if you're right, I'm gonna have to totally eat it next week. But um, thank you again for listening. We do appreciate it. Um, always get involved with the show at a h r w h u on Twitter. Um, feel free to drop us a line. Tell us how much we suck. Ask a question. Hell, if you even want to get on this show with us, we probably won't let you on, but we'll consider the thought. Um, <laughs> totally kidding. We, we always love to have people getting involved. Um, as always, thank you so much. And right now, Liam, are you ready? Come, Come on, on, you, you irons. irons.